gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece and pieces, bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life Good afternoon. This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Focus on the Facts. My guest today is Jason Goodman, an investigative researcher who runs the news site Crowdsource the Truth. Crowdsource has been covering and exposing the largest scandal occurring in the world right now that the mainstream media is still refusing to properly cover, the Pakistani Awan family spy ring in Congress. The top two spies, Imran Awan and his wife, Hina Albi, were indicted by a federal grand jury a few weeks ago, and a couple weeks earlier, Imran was arrested while he was trying to leave the country after wiring $300,000 to Pakistan. The other members of the spy ring have already fled back to Pakistan. This is actually Hillary Clinton's spy ring, so it makes sense that she would have her and Bill's former attorney, Chris Gowan, represent the top spy, Imran. Jason got involved in this investigation several months ago when Crowdsource the Truth teamed up with the lead investigator, George Webb, in the open source investigation of the Clinton Foundation. Their investigation is exposing the worst global criminal enterprise of all time in world history and a scandal that is a hundred times worse than Watergate. I always like to explain how the investigation actually started and the criminal enterprise it exposed. George began looking at began the investigation by following the money of the Clinton Foundation. He started out by looking for rat lines. Rat lines are intentionally set up alongside of oil pipelines in every country that the U.S. goes to war against, and they are used to traffic arms and drugs. But George also found that the rat lines were being used for child sex trafficking and organ harvesting operations. These rat lines are set up by the CIA, the Clinton Foundation, and DynCorp, and are operating in Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, the Ukraine, Yemen. Haiti, and many other countries, including all across the United States. The Awan family has also been involved in running these rat lines across the United States, in addition to operating the spy ring in Congress. The Awan family members stole untold amounts of sensitive data and records from the countless members of Congress, and they have been gathering dirt on representatives in Congress since probably the late 1990s. Some congressional technology aides have claimed that the Awans are blackmailing certain representatives with the information from their emails and files, due to the fact that many representatives refuse to discuss the spy ring and have displayed unwavering loyalty towards these Awan spies. But on Friday, Jason made sure that a dozen members of Congress were officially put on notice by the people of the United States by hand-delivering a packet of information on the clear and present danger involved with having a Pakistani spy ring in Congress. By conducting this investigation, Jason puts his life on the line every day investigators and researchers and witnesses who try to expose the corruption involving the rat lines or the Clinton Foundation or the spy ring scandal are being murdered nearly every week, and nobody seems to be able to stop these murders. I praise Jason for his tremendous courage and thank him for taking time out from his busy schedule to come on Focus on the Facts again to give us the latest details on the spy ring and his delivery of the clear and present danger information to members of Congress. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Thanks for having me, Evelyn. It's great to see you again and hear you. Yes. So I'm really excited <laughs> so I love to uh, do the... Sorry, what's that? Pardon? Go ahead. 
So we've got this little delay with the phone connection, but you and I have worked out a method to solve that, and next week it will be much, much better. So I apologize if I'm stepping on anything that you say there. Um, and I love it how you always have uh, the, the uh, wrap-up at the beginning of every show. It's very helpful. And as you mentioned, I did present the clear and present danger document to uh, members of Congress. That was the document that I had put together with members of the crowdsourced community, including uh, Mr. Hudson and Queen Tut, some of the uh, most active contributors who have come on the show. And the thing that's really so exciting about it is that each of them are people who have literally come out of the crowdsourced community. Um, Mr. Hudson, of course, a lot of people have identified is someone that George was originally uh, communicating with. But of course, he contacted George in the same way from you know listening on uh, the internet, and getting in touch, and it it really runs the gamut in terms of the level of experience that people have. Mr. Hudson, lots of operational experience, military experience, etc. We've had lawyers, we've had researchers, we've had now even just concerned citizens coming forward. And the power of the crowdsource community is we're really starting to realize what it's capable of. Um, I think I mentioned on a show yesterday that um, you know George, in many ways, many ways has been a mentor to me. I certainly never realized before that you could just go to Congress and sort of walk in there. And as you pointed out, I met with several members of Congress last week. I. Uh, presented this packet of information to um, uh, about 18 different members. And uh, this is Mike McLeod. He is the uh, chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee. And uh, this was news to him. You know, the, he had heard of Imran. Sorry? I said it was news to him. Well, he said that he had heard of Imran and knew that he had been indicted for bank fraud, but he certainly didn't know the extent of the crimes. And when I presented him with the document, he had made a point of saying he was going to bring it up to the committee and look at it in greater detail. So I thought that was uh, definitely a move in the right direction as far as getting members of Congress to uh, know what's going on and, and sort of address it head on. Right. Now, you ran into him in the hallway, didn't you? I actually ran into him just as I was leaving the building, and I saw him, oh. you know, he, he was obviously a person of importance because there were a lot of people crowded around him, and there was another reporter standing there, and I asked her, who is that? Because, I mean, I suppose I should know more congressional <laughs> members by sight, but there's several hundred, and it's difficult to know who is who. So, 400 uh, or she identified, sorry? I said there's 400 and some, aren't there? Representatives uh, yeah, of Congress? Like that. I yeah. think there might even be more than that. I thought 535. Let's see, sure. how many members of Congress? Let's ask Google. But um, <laughs> I certainly don't know. Yeah, 535 members of Congress. So okay. 100 in the, Senate, in the Senate, 435 in the House of Representatives. So it would certainly be difficult to know them all just by doing them. But it was really serendipitous to uh, run into uh, McCall right there outside and uh, present him with that document. Now, I followed up with his office this morning, and I have not yet heard back from them. I wanted to make sure that he had 
um, reviewed the document and asked him if he had any additional questions. We've got more information uh, even now than we had on Friday. There's new information coming up literally daily, hourly. Um, you know, I don't know uh, if your listeners were on CrowdSource the Truth last week, but of course we had our interview with Laurel, the renter, at uh, 4809 Sprayer Street, which was a house that was owned by Imran Awan and rented to her. This was one of the homes that he had purchased, uh, you know, with the, with the illegally obtained loans that are now the subject of his bank fraud prosecution. And, of course, uh, George and I and some other uh, reporters as well, along with FBI John, who's another member of the crowdsourced community, we, one week ago, were in Washington, D.C. at Imran's um, pretrial hearing. That was really interesting. We got to see him in person for the first time, which, uh, I mean, again, you know, after being on the trail for so many months, to actually see Imran there in court and uh, just, to, just to gauge his reactions and see what he looks like, did he look nervous, etc., that was really super interesting. He was staring me down, trying to, I guess, be intimidating. You know, we've now had firsthand testimony from multiple individuals. We've had a, um, from uh, Laurel, of course, and we've also had firsthand testimony from Andre Taggart, the Marine veteran who I interviewed in his home, uh, who gave us really stunning uh, testimony about his interactions with Andre Taggart. And, of course, Andre was the individual who had discovered the smashed hard drives and the multiple Blackberries that are the subject of the hacking and, um, you know, the uh, basically the real subject of the espionage case that should be the focus, not the bank fraud. And Andre has now become a very active member of the crowdsourced community. I'm communicating, him, communicating with him. Regularly, he appeared on the show again by calling in. Uh, he was speaking with us one night when we were with um, FBI John and Queen Tut and Trish. And so it's just amazing to see how the crowdsource concept is growing and it's expanding in its scope and its capability. And we're really starting to see how these sort of human synergies are going to make this effort so effective. Because, you know, Andre's got pieces of the puzzle that maybe Laurel doesn't have. And we put those together with research that George has done. And, of course, everybody knows George is out there, you know, tearing up the, the pavement, doing his regular thing, pounding the pavement, burning shoe leather, I believe he calls it. And uh, I'm doing my thing, going around doing the interviews, doing the nightly shows, doing the analysis of stuff. And um, it's, uh, it's really great. George and I, of course, met for a sort of a press conference over there at the uh, National Press Club. And I'm just trying to bring up each of these videos as I, as I mention them. Uh, that's funny. I'm not seeing the press club video for some reason. Here we go. Yeah, George and I did this press conference, and it was really nice. That was the first time we were uh, back together again doing a video in a while. Um, so, again, when we, when we come together and do these Things. It's got a little bit more of a kind of a special feature kind of an a aspect to it now. So 
we've done a few of those, and I hope we'll continue to do that in the future. And that allows us the flexibility to uh, work at our best separately and then come together to combine forces. Okay, so you cut off, you can't hear. How do we solve that, Ellen? Can we get you back in? <laughs> Let's try this again. It's colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces Bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Okay, a little technical difficulty, but we're back, and Evelyn should be back on any second. Just give me the high sign when you're on, Evelyn. So just to wrap up, uh, just talking about some of the things that have gone on the past week. There we go. Yes, Evelyn's in the comments here. I love it. Lost a radio audience. Now they're coming back, reverse truth. So we're going to, obviously, today is September 11th. So I uh, want to talk a little bit about that, of course. Um, there is a spy ring in Congress. And uh, George has spoken for months about the revenge motive that is planted in many of the people. Imran is in his 30s, so uh, 16 years ago. Hey, Evelyn. I'm back. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. So do we want to transition to some things about September 11th, or do we want to continue talking about Imran and... Well, did you did, see? I couldn't hear you. So, um, did you name off the the members of Congress that you delivered your clear and present danger packet to? Sure. Let's talk about that. Uh, I delivered it to 18 members in total, and uh, of course, I made a video of each delivery. Um, we had uh, Louis Gomer, Trent Franks, Trey Gowdy, of course, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. No. That's a funny one. Uh, no, Tell, us no more about that. Tell us more about that when you delivered it to Debbie's office. Well, she wasn't there. They said to me, this was actually really funny. They said to me that she was dealing with the storm. And I said, oh, you mean uh, Irma or Imran? <laughs> because, of course, I'm not trying to make light of the most devastating hurricane possibly in U.S. history, but, uh, you know, Debbie Wasserman Schultz being the congressional representative from, or one of the congressional representatives from Florida. She was there dealing with that. But, uh, again, you know, this situation with Imran Awan is a very big deal. When I went to her office, I was dealing with uh, some of her interns there, or her uh, staff, of course, and uh, I'm just playing the video without sound. I think it was really cool the way I just sort of walked into these offices with the video camera. I was a little nervous about it at first, but I mean, this is Congress. This is the people's house. This is where we're represented in our government. And I think that we have a right to see what goes on there, even just walking down the halls and seeing what these offices are like, seeing what the demeanor of the uh, employees of the representatives is like. It was very interesting. And then comparing them all, you know, the offices in the House of Representatives versus the offices at the Senate, uh, the way the staff 
before Rand Paul responded versus Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, or uh, Diane Feinstein. It was really very interesting. Um, you know, it, it's obviously there's a, there's a leadership factor there that, that seemed to have some impact. For instance, um, you know, Louis Gomer's staff seemed to be more informed about Imran Awan than some of the other uh, members of uh, Congress and their staff were. Uh, visited John McCain's office, and you know I don't want to characterize. How'd it go there at John McCain's office? Oh, there. Yeah, John McCain's office. Well, you know, I mean, again, the individual staff members were generally polite and professional. Um, I believe John McCain was in his office when I went there, but you? I didn't get to see him. Uh, that would have been. I guess in the Hart building, or no, it's probably the Russell, the Russell building. Uh, when I got to the Senate building, yes, John McCain was the first office that I visited in the Russell building. And um, when I got there, I realized that the Senate building closes at 4.30, even though the House of Representatives office building apparently stays open until 7. So I sort of had to go into a little bit more of a speed delivery mode to the Senate, but I was basically just dropping off this packet of information that Queen Tut had helped me assemble. It was a summary of uh, the investigation that George has been doing for 300 and at that point, 23 days, or today might be 326, 327, whatever it is. But it was a summary of George's investigation, as well as evidence that we've uncovered now in interviewing Andre Taggart, in interviewing Laurel, the renter at 4809 Sprayer. And, uh, you know, the community, the crowdsourced community has, has put together. And when I refer to George as a member of the crowdsourced community, I consider Michael McCall a member of the crowdsourced community now in that he's appeared uh, on the program and he is a, a, a member of Congress who we can reach out to and, and affect the change. That was the goal to demonstrate that, you know, we can't just sit at home and complain and say, oh, you know, Bernie got cheated or whatever happened. People should go to Congress and write letters and send them to their representatives and walk in and ask for a business card of someone to speak to and follow up and, you know, see what's going on there. Hold the representatives accountable. Right? Right. And you put this, and you put this packet up online so people can print it out. Um, to pass around I did. people. Yes, I did. And for people who are uh, members of the Crowdsource the Truth Facebook group, I did put it up there. There's a file area on the Facebook group, and you can download the exact document that I handed out to Congress. You can print it out. You can email it to your friends. You could uh, email it to your congressional representative, you could print it out and go to your representative's local office in your hometown and give it to them. That was the idea, to, to really empower people uh, and to, to remind everyone that, you know, these representatives work for us, not the other way around. So we've got to really let them know when something's going wrong, you can't just put a spy ring into Congress and have it stay there. You've got to, you know, the people that are honest the members that are honest that remain in Congress have to bring all this to everyone's attention. And I'm actually showing the document right now for people that are watching the simulcast of your radio broadcast on the Crowdsource the Truth stream.
streaming show, which is on, of course, YouTube. People can see it. You just search for Crowdsource the Truth on YouTube, or if you prefer Periscope, you can catch us, CS the Truth on Periscope. I think I also tweeted this document. It's, C, it's at CS the Truth on uh, Twitter. And this just basically outlines the timeline of uh, how the uh, U.S. Capitol Police started their criminal investigation and how Imran and his brothers were banned from accessing the House of Representatives computer network. Um, it talks about how uh, Imran's defense attorney, Chris Gowan, it would seem has made a false statement in court. He went to the, uh, to the judge during the pretrial hearing, and he claimed that Imran needed to have his GPS house arrest device removed because he was driving for Uber. But of course, when Luke Rosiak checked with Uber, there was no record of him, Imran Awan driving for Uber. So perhaps right. Mr. Gowan misspoke. Or perhaps he lied. We don't know. But I like the fact that we can go to court. We can hold this guy accountable. I think Chris Gowan is probably used to rescheduling his clients' court appearances for the uh, Friday before Labor Day with the specific uh, presumption that no one will be there. So the fact that we showed up and we're holding him accountable and we're now telling members of Congress that Andre Taggart has, has testified to us in uh, an unofficial video testimony. It's not certainly uh, necessarily valid evidence in court, but it's this man's words that he has seen stolen equipment in the home of Imran Awan. We also let all these other representatives know they haven't seen the video on YouTube of Debbie Wasserman Schultz threatening the chief of the U.S. Capitol Police, Matthew Verderosa, with uh, budget cuts and other consequences if the chief did not return what she characterized as a missing laptop. Uh, the chief of the U.S. Capitol Police considers it a stolen laptop, and it's an element of evidence in an ongoing criminal investigation. We also let them know, of course, about Laurel's testimony, and Laurel has been named initially in a, uh, uh, sorry, a um, Daily Caller article so we were very careful about adhering to uh, Laurel's requests to not reveal information beyond what she had approved. And then we also include a bunch of links, the references from which we created this report, so people can check all of that firsthand information themselves. And we also put forth a formal request to the members of, uh, of Congress to bring this information to the appropriate authorities and to follow through with uh, criminal uh, charges against the guilty parties who are, you know, conducting this spy ring in Congress. I uh, personally find it unacceptable, and I believe uh, you agree with me, Evelyn. I find it yeah. unacceptable for us to have an active spy ring in Congress. Yes, and you know, and, and this morning, George put out a video, and he said, uh, I'm, I'm looking at it now, it says 11 Pakistani ISI agents arrested in India's Congress. So we have the wow. Pakistani spy ring in the U.S. Congress. You mm -hmm. know, this is beyond belief that, that this goes on. And they're still there, aren't they? Well, I guess. I mean, I, I saw the, um, the thumbnail for that video, but I have not yet watched that George video. 
it's interesting. You know, I think people assume that um, George and I are are always aware of what each other are doing. But, you know, he's very busy, of course. I'm very busy, of course. And I don't always know what new evidence he's uncovering and, and yeah, what he he's up to. Yeah, he just put this out two hours ago. He just put this out two hours ago. I have to watch that. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. So well, here listen, we are. I'm not surprised, Evelyn. I'm not surprised Pardon? because these Pakistani ISI agents, if they're learning how to spy on our Congress, wouldn't it certainly be uh, to their advantage to spy on Congress in other countries? And, of course, we know that uh, India and Pakistan are sort of mortal enemies. And, you know, it's even, it's even been speculated, and there seems to be evidence to indicate that the Pakistani ISI may, in fact, be conducting what's known as a liaison operation in their spying on our Congress, whereby it's actually run, possibly, by the CIA. Right. So maybe the CIA wants to spy on India as well. <laughs> well, right, the CIA wants to spy on everybody. Right. So right. what's the next thing's going to happen in the spy ring? I mean, you know, if all of these people are busted, involved, I mean, our Congress will collapse. Well, I mean, we don't know exactly how many people are involved, and, you know, that's the concern, of course. You know, uh, people who listen to Crowdsource the Truth regularly are going to be familiar with Mr. Hudson, and, of course, Mr. Hudson was telling us, this was, this was Hudson's plan, this idea of me, uh, you know, printing up this, this report and going to Congress to present it to them initially, uh, Hudson represents a pretty wide group of military veterans, intelligence community veterans, uh, etc. And um, and uh, they had sort of tapped their uh, network of uh, relationships in the government, and they called up these members of Congress to say, "Hey, it's time to put an end to all this." And uh, Mr. Hudson told me that their phone calls simply weren't returned. Now, right. uh, he got very angry, understandably, because as military veterans and intelligence community veterans and law enforcement veterans and all the types of uh, different agencies that his contacts represent, these are people that have put their lives on the line for decades defending this country, and they certainly expect the courtesy of a return phone call when they call these offices. So that sort of prompted Mr. Hudson to call me up and uh, put out one of his now famous reports indicating that if these members of Congress, Congress didn't start taking notice and taking action, the Hudson Group was going to start naming the names of the congressional representatives that were contacted and were not taking action. So again, that wasn't about just calling people out and uh, making a, uh, you know, put, putting anybody's reputation in jeopardy or, you know, making... Uh, undue accusations, it's putting everybody on alert that, you know, playtime is over. We really have to deal with this because we were all getting the feeling that it was shaping up that they, shaping up that they were just going to charge Imran Awan with this bank fraud charge and sort of send him back to Pakistan and, you know, deflect everyone from the real serious crimes and uh, make it all go away and carry on with business as usual. So that was really unacceptable to Mr. Hudson. He came up with this plan to create a report. Queen Tut answered the call, and she stepped up and tremendously 
in a short period of time, put together this very comprehensive report that's just sort of a very, very brief, you know, there are a limited number of people in um, the crowdsource community who uh, expressed their dissatisfaction with the lack of evidence that we presented to Congress. And I just want to clarify for those, that very, very vocal, small minority of people who are dissatisfied, we need to sort of draw people into the understanding of this very slowly. It's almost like you've got to teach someone the alphabet before they can go and read, you know, Gone with the Wind or uh, Romeo and Juliet. You can't just, you know, sit a five-year-old down and have them read college textbooks. Yes. Oh, you're right. And it's so complicated. Right. Right. So we wanted to draw people in by presenting them with what we felt was the most compelling and least known aspects of the evidence. The fact that we've got two material witnesses. I mean, this is evidence that not even the prosecution was presenting. If they want to look at all the evidence that the prosecution has, there's a ton. If they want to look at all the evidence that George Webb has gathered, there's a ton. But we just wanted to lay it out in a short PDF that you could hand to someone in the way that I did to Representative McCall, have him literally thumb through it there on the street and have the realization, which he did, that this is really something that he needs to look into further. And uh, again, as I said, I put out an email to his office asking if he's had the time to go through it, asking if there's any questions that he might have that I could answer. And uh, I'm working on getting another meeting with the congressman so that I can sit with him and, and really start to, you know, as I say, drill down into some more of the details and, and help him get a much more comprehensive understanding of exactly what's going on. Right, right. Now, he, now again, he's chairman of what committee? The House Committee on Homeland Security. So it would seem okay. firing in Congress falls directly into his jurisdiction. Sure. Yeah. Did you talk about, well, I wasn't on the phone, well, I didn't know what to do. Um, did you talk about it all with what they're doing now? I mean, with um, with the outlaws? Well, with, with maybe they're well, going to testify against members of Congress? Right. That's a very recent development, that it looks like what they're doing is uh, working towards a plea arrangement where their sentencing would be reduced in exchange for their testimony about the activities of uh, potentially complicit members of Congress. Now, some people might be upset by this, but I actually think that's a very good outcome because, I mean, personally, I'm not... You know, I don't care that much about Imran Awan in the sense that if he's sent out of the United States and never allowed to return, that's fine. I don't need him to go to jail. That's not going to do me any good, particularly if he's going to tell us who in Congress hired him and knew he was doing this. Those are real right. traitors to the United States of America. Someone that would run for Congress and gain people's trust by being in Congress and then collude with our enemy to allow a state sponsor of terror, a country like Pakistan and their ISI, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, the Pakistani ISI, the 111th Division of the Pakistani ISI, to infiltrate Congress, to sell our state secrets to enemy countries all throughout the Middle East, to potentially know the military maneuvers of uh, Navy SEALs. Evelyn, you may recall 
that a Chinook helicopter carrying many members of uh, Navy SEAL Team 6 was shot down shortly after that same SEAL team allegedly assassinated uh, Osama bin Laden, uh, someone whose right. name is uh, a very important with regard to today, September 11th, whether... I know we have a lot of people here who listen to Crowdsource the Truth and who listen to your show and uh, don't believe that Osama bin Laden played a major role in September 11th in terms of masterminding the attacks or being the head of al-Qaeda or whether uh, al-Qaeda did the attacks. Whatever you think about that, he's, at very least, he's a player in the school play if you don't, if you don't believe that he was the head of al-Qaeda and that al-Qaeda you know, orchestrated the attacks, he's an important guy. No, I don't believe that. So, well, yeah, and I know, and that's, that's fine. I'm certainly open to hearing everyone's evidence. I do believe that Osama bin Laden was a CIA asset. We know that he was right. the head of the Mujahideen, and the Mujahideen is uh, certainly a sort of a broad-spectrum title for the so-called Army of God, um, basically disenfranchised, uh, Islamic fighters throughout the Middle East. We're told that um, Dr. Ayman al-Zawahiri, who was exiled from Egypt after the assassination of Anwar Sadat, joined his Egyptian Islamic Jihad with, um, uh, with uh, Osama bin Laden's Mujahideen in Afghanistan in what they refer to as the base. And that's, of course, what al-Qaeda means, the base. But, you know, the mainstream news media in the United States likes to package things in ways that they can sell to the American public as essentially crap. We like to call fake news. But, you know, they wanted us all to uh, buy this whole Al-Qaeda. You know, Al-Qaeda is essentially like Coca-Cola. And when Al-Qaeda is not selling anymore, they're going to rebrand it as ISIS. And they're going to tell you something else about ISIS. So now John McCain can go over to uh, Syria, and he can meet with the Free Syrian Army, and that's no longer al-Qaeda or Mujahideen. That's the Free Syrian Army, but that's not ISIS. You know, they don't want to talk about these diplomatic flights on Silkway Airways that are delivering, uh, you know, white phosphorus and other weapons to uh, Azerbaijan and, or through Azerbaijan, through countries all throughout the Middle East. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about photographs of John McCain with terrorists. Uh, they don't want to talk about State Department officials who are killed and who wind up in the Potomac. You know, at the top of the show, Evelyn, when you were talking about all the countries where child trafficking is going on, I meant to yes. alert you that you should add to your list Cambodia. Cambodia. Have you been looking at okay. Yes. Have you been looking at or speaking much about Kurt Smolek? Oh, right, right, that he, that he was found dead, right. Right. So uh, Smolik worked for the State Department. Under so, Hillary. Under Hillary. And he had recently put out a report warning U.S. Uh, employees of the Cambodian embassy to watch out for, what was it called, Happy Pizza, which... Um, Happy Pizza? Yeah, happy pizza. And so, 
I was looking into this happy pizza yesterday. I'm going to be publishing a, uh, a phone interview with a new confidential crowdsourcer, codenamed Simi, and we were looking into this happy pizza. Now, of course, a lot of people are very prone to say, oh, that must be, you know, a child trafficking thing, uh, Pizzagate, etc. But it turns out that just a simple Googling of the term, I typed in what is happy pizza, and Google automatically filled in what is happy pizza in Cambodia. So obviously this is a known thing. Yeah, it seems to be pizza that's made with marijuana. Oh. And I went to a bunch of different travel blogs. I went to, um, you know, uh, Tiny Planet. Then I went to, uh, I went to uh, TripAdvisor, and just sort of looked at a lot of these different travel blogs where people from all over the world. There were tourists from Brazil, tourists from the United States, who were writing different things about their experiences with this happy pizza, and it just seems strange to me that. Um, a State Department official writing about this happy pizza, you know, that doesn't seem to be the reason why he would be killed. So hopefully later today I'm going to be publishing that phone call with Simi. Um, we got into some really interesting details with that, so I don't, want to, I don't want to spill the beans on exactly what happened there. But, you know, it's yet another sort of inexplicable death linked right. to Hillary Clinton's State Department. It's very, very strange. Right and to child trafficking. Anybody that gets near exposing the child trafficking, they're the ones that get murdered. You know, when, when we look at all these people that uh, and, and reporters and things, that they were on this. I mean, even that uh, one from the Wall Street Journal, that reporter that was killed recently, um, he, in other articles, he was investigating Hillary's ties to that Russian drug company and selling that to Abbott Labs, you know, to get under and, and right. going around the sanctions setting up them shell companies, but he was also, he was all, I've also found articles where he was investigating child trafficking, too. So he was, well, it was not just a drug company, you know, but anybody right. that goes near the child and, trafficking, and, you know, they end up dead. Yeah, George and I did a video called The Strange Death of Joe Rago, and, uh, you know, there's all these kind of strange deaths surrounding yeah. Hillary Clinton's State Department, and not just the State Department. I mean, this activity goes all the way back to um, Arkansas. And, of course, everyone's yeah. familiar with the term Arkansas, which is, you know, people who seem to uh, commit suicide by doing things like getting decapitated or uh, shooting themselves in the head two or three times. The back of the head. Yeah. Shooting themselves in the back of the head two or three times. Of course, Joe Napoli has been breaking incredible ground in the Barrington Wiseman death investigation. As far as I know, Crowdsource the Truth is the only news organization to bring forward the autopsy report, the police report. Um, I had a very, very brief interview with Ebony Wiseman, the widow of Barrington Wiseman, and uh, she wasn't very comfortable speaking about the incident, but uh, it was... uh, well, you know, she didn't want to go on the record, and uh, she didn't have very much to say, but Joe and I did discuss on air our brief uh, conversation with her and our impressions of her responses, and, you know, it, she she felt, I mean, this is just pure speculation on my part, but I felt like she wanted to speak about it, but was in a position where she couldn't. Right. 
perhaps she feels in her own mind that her husband was killed and speaking about it might put her at risk. Perhaps she was threatened by someone. Perhaps she just doesn't want to talk about it. It's difficult to say. But, um, right. you know, again, all these, all these strange deaths. So uh, we've also got some new information about Peter Smith. There was uh, an individual who had been in communication with Charles Ortel, who's become a great ally of CrowdSource the Truth and is doing his regular segment with us Sunday with Charles. And um, a couple uh, months ago, George and I, with Charles, did a segment called The Strange Death of Peter Smith. And, I mean, again, it's almost becoming a little bit too regular of a theme that we have all these, you know, strange death episodes. Peter Smith, as you might recall, was found in his hotel room. Uh, he had allegedly committed suicide by inhaling helium. And now uh, we're yeah. going to be doing a follow-up very, very soon. We're putting the episode together right now, uh, a follow-up and continuing investigation into the strange death of Peter Smith. So, again, we don't want to just throw out evidence and, and information about these things. We want to follow up and we want to try to move these investigations forward and the thing that's been really exciting for me is that we are really starting to bring in many, many more people who start out sort of, you know, uh, watching the program and become more involved. Joe Napoli is a great example. Even you, Evelyn, you know, uh, before you and I met, you had interviewed George, but, you know, you were, you were watching the, the different uh, videos we put out here on CrowdSearch the Truth. You contacted me. Everyone. And now... Sorry? I said, yep, I've watched everyone. <laughs> and now you and I interact weekly, and we put out this show to your listeners, to the crowdsource community, everyone. It's, uh, it's, really, it's really interesting to see how the effort is growing and, um, and how we're expanding our reach and our capability with the trip to Congress and the other things that we hope to do in the near future. So that's, that's going to be very interesting and uh, I'm really hopeful that we'll be able to uh, make some significant changes to things. Well, wasn't um, wasn't Smith wasn't he wasn't he maybe investigating the um, organ harvesting angle? Maybe so. He was very close to the Mayo Clinic. We're going to be looking right. at that. Sure. Right. It's I mean, and that's a big money maker too that organ harvesting, right. and that is so rampant, and, and all across the United States now. I don't think people understand this, how this, how this has right. traveled with these rat lines across the United States. This stuff is going on in this country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, and certainly Cambodia would be a country, I think, where that would happen. Syria would be right. a country where that would happen. I mean, the U.N. has found, uh, they've actually charged multiple doctors with you know, illegal organ, organ harvesting out of the Yellow House in Kosovo. So, you know, people who sure. think this is a right-wing conspiracy theory aren't looking at the evidence. They aren't looking at the facts. As a matter of fact, sure, I and think when, started when, Kosovo, when was that? When was that war in Kosovo that Clinton waged? In the early 1990s? Well, that was in the 90s, remember? Yes, with Slobodan Milosevic and all that uh, business going on over there. There's a whole lot. I mean, any of these things are topics that are very, very deep and dense and can be examined for, you know, weeks 
And uh, what we've heard on the mainstream news media, as far as CNN and MSNBC and the Washington Post and the New York Times, is simply not true. And people find well, that and you know what, silly Jason, or, I am so upset, you know, with the alternative newspapers online. You know, I've been a columnist for, for several of them. And do you know that mm-hmm. today, today I went and checked again, op-ed news, not one article on the Awan spy scandal in Congress. Not one article. So it's not just the mainstream media that's bearing this stuff anymore. It's the alternate sites, too. And Rob Call, I wrote for op-ed news for a long time. And I said today when I put that out, when I went and checked, and there still was not one article, I said, I don't know who he's protecting in Congress, but he's got to be protecting somebody because, I mean, my God, mainstream media were used article? to this that they don't put out. Who wasn't the author of that article? Pardon? Who was the author of that? No, I said there wasn't any. There's not a single article oh, on the Owen oh. spy scandal in the whole op-ed newspaper. To date. I checked oh, right, it again right, today. Right. Yeah. This is terrible. Well, think about this, Evelyn. I mean, we first heard about the infiltration of the mainstream media by the, the deep state, right, the, the CIA and the various agencies in the 1970s when Daniel Ellsberg came forward with the Pentagon Papers. Operation Mockingbird was the CIA's plan to infiltrate Time Magazine, The New York Times, CBS News, etc. Okay? So now, let's assume you wanted to do that. You said, hey, wait a minute. You know, YouTube's come about in 2007, or, you know, when did YouTube get invented? And they start realizing, oh, no, now someone with a laptop and a web camera can put on a news show like we're doing right now. And certainly 10 years on, it's gotten much more sophisticated. We've got on-screen graphics. We've got animation. We can cut to, you know, file footage of uh, important news footage like they would on a, on a regular news broadcast. And so, you know, in many regards, the, uh, the news that we can produce here in my apartment in New York City is every bit as good as anything you would get from some multi million-dollar broadcast on MSNBC. Uh, We, of course, are free of any corporate agenda, any uh, advertiser-sponsored agenda. Like, if you know, you and I have spoken in the past about the movie Facts, where uh, the producer of that film left his job at a major uh, news program because they specifically would not allow him to publish a story about Merck because it was negative and Merck was one of their major sponsors. So this is a real critical factor with the news. We simply cannot get true news from something that has a corporate sponsor or even even if it's a private sponsor. You know, people have said to me, hey, you know, you should get a grant. You should go and, you know, get some investor or something. But what happens if someone comes along? What if George Soros came to me and said, hey, I want to invest Ten million dollars in crowdsource the truth. That would give that investor a great deal of power over crowdsource the truth. That's why lately I've been talking about how what I really want is not only for the news and the information and the research and the vetting of all the sources and the sources themselves to come from the crowdsource community. We also want to create a network that is community supported because you know even people who don't have a lot of money. But want true news, if someone, if someone wants to sponsor CrowdSource the Truth for $1 per month, 
That's less than most people are spending per day on coffee. We can all collectively pool our resources into a what would eventually grow into a news network that would be dedicated to the people, a true democratic uh, approach to doing news. Yes, now, the you are doing right a great here, job at CrowdSource the you. Jason. Yeah, I mean, you guys the are the best newscasters right out here. And the way you present it, you, you know, so the people much, get yeah. to see your evidence. They get to look at everything you look at and, and think and critically think themselves. It's great, Jason, what you're doing. Thank you very much for saying that, Evelyn. I appreciate it tremendously. And, you know, one of our frequent commenters on YouTube is a YouTuber who goes by the handle of the boy 26 And i got to thank the boy for saying that Jason has done more in one year than 15 years of CNN and MSNBC. And, you know, that's probably because Rachel Maddow takes a half an hour to tell you that Donald Trump made $150 million in a year, which, frankly, yeah. and who cares? I sort of already do that. The guy flies around in an airplane and lives in a giant gold building. He's obviously making $150 million. Yeah, but they should be talking about how much money the Awan spy ring is rounding up and all these rat lines that these congressmen are making money out of. Right. Never mind. Well, why hasn't Rachel Maddow spent one minute talking about the Awan brothers? No, no. And see, and see, people need to understand, I can't stand Trump. So, I mean, when, I, when I'm out here, it looks like I'm defending him and everything. I'm not, but the people elected him. Okay, I didn't vote for him. I wouldn't have. But they elected him. And that they're going to make up this BS all the time about him and throw him out of office, there is no reason for this. I mean, they should be focusing on the Clintons arresting them for all the crimes committed and on the members of Congress involved in this firing. I totally agree, Evelyn. And, you know, I voted for Donald Trump. Uh, did, initially, huh? I did not like – I did, yes – I initially did not like the idea of Donald Trump as a candidate for president, but something very interesting happened. Um, as the election went on, you know, and as you said, all of this sort of obviously fake, false information about Mr. Trump was being spread by the news. It actually caused me to sort of, you know, well, let me rephrase that. It wasn't a knee-jerk reaction, but like, for instance, I met Billy Bush. And uh, this was a clip I was about to show of Billy Bush coming off the bus in the infamous moment where Donald Trump said those faithful words. But, you know, Billy Bush is a pretty... I, I wasn't crazy about Billy Bush. I didn't find him to be an honorable guy. I think a lot of people didn't even realize that Billy Bush is the first cousin of George W. Bush and Jed Bush and the nephew of Herbert Walker Bush. Sorry? Yeah. It's just, you know, terrible bunch of people who I really, really despise. And it seemed to me that they were just sort of, you know, all colluding with the Washington Post, with the mainstream media, with uh, MSNBC, et cetera, to put out these stories about Donald Trump that each time I went and looked into the stories, they were either not true or, I mean, look, I don't think it was a good idea for Donald Trump to say what he said about grabbing women, but... I think they mischaracterized it. I think Donald Trump was having a lewd personal conversation with a friend of his that he just thought was a private conversation. I think most adult men would be lying if they said they never said something in private that they would be embarrassed to have go out in public. Uh, I don't think it was a deposition that Donald Trump was saying, hey, I, I grabbed 
this particular woman in such a way. I think he was making a general comment about being a celebrity, that women throw themselves at you and basically let celebrities have their way with them, which is a crass comment, but possibly not untrue. Point being, when I looked into these accusations against Donald Trump, they seemed to be false or well, trumped up, for lack of a better word, or just not that big a deal. And when you look into the accusations against Hillary Clinton, his opponent, things like she used private email, well, that wasn't true either, but that was you know, being untrue in the opposite direction. They tried to make you think she was simply you know, using private email to send messages when in fact she was using an illicit server that was containing all kinds of emails about incredibly horrendous illegal activity like selling weapons around the world, starting wars with Libya, overthrowing et countries, and doing all. Yeah, overthrowing, overthrowing countries, countries without right. getting congressional approval to be attacking these countries. Right. Now, listen, I had intended to speak to you a little bit about 9-11 today, Evelyn, because I know that that's a topic of interest for you and I, and uh, we didn't get to that too much. Um, I just wanted to talk, I mean, this is a little bit of a lighter note, but this is really kind of one of my favorite YouTube videos about one of my all-time favorite films, Back to the Future. And in this video, called Back to the Future Predicts 9-11, it points out an unbelievable array of insane anomalies in Back to the Future that are just virtually inexplicable, like uh, the number of times Muslim terrorists attacking the Twin Pines Mall, and the Twin Pines represent the Twin Towers, and the clock is an inverted 9-11. It's really a shocking video. Now, I'm not saying that this video, I mean, I don't know what to make of this video. It just points well, out. Well, I say these are amazing. conspirators. They knew this was going to happen, and they let it happen, and they put it out there. And the same goes for The Simpsons and any of these other shows that put this stuff out here. They're conspirators. They know this is going to happen, and they let it happen to us. Some people do think this type of predictive programming is deliberately put there, and I mean, look, it's certainly hard to uh, explain. I don't know how it got there. There's um, additionally a very, really, uh, really interesting image of uh, David Rockefeller in 1969 uh, sitting in the background. I'm just bringing the image up right now. In the background, the World Trade Center is under construction. There's the image right here. I'll just bring it up for everybody to take a look at. In the background, we see Mr. Rockefeller sitting at his desk, and the World Trade Center is being constructed behind him. There's a clock. Uh, I think, well, in this version, we're zoomed in on his watch, which is set to 9-11. And, uh, you know, again, another one of these examples of predictive programming. I'm doing a little bit of a, a poor job of uh, pointing out the curious anomalies in that image, but people should Google that. David Rockefeller image and see what they make of it. Well, they put um, this right on our faces. Up, they're doing this to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, here's, I mean, here's possibly a better better image of David Rockefeller. David Rockefeller with the watch right yeah. here. We can see his watch is set to 9 11. Right. Well, this is a low res image. Wasn't that I mean, this is what I don't understand, how they can keep doing this, pushing this in our faces. And it's the same with them murdering everybody right in our faces. And we can't stop it. Right. I mean, 
this well, is horrible. we're going to try this to stop it now. Horrible. Pardon? Well, I won't go so far as saying that, Evelyn. This country was founded on the principle of a government by the people, for the people, and of the people. And I think it's there are a lot of people in the United States who are great. It's been stolen from us by criminals. That's exactly right. And, you know, the premise right. that I've always sort of believed, I mean, I don't know about always, but when I sort of got red-pilled or woke or whatever you want to call it, maybe it was 1991 when I saw the Oliver Stone film, JFK. I remember going to see that in the theater with my father. And I, you know, I went to public school. They told me Lee Harvey Oswald shot from the window. I figured, okay, you know, that was it. But that film, it really got me thinking. And now I do believe that what we are facing is the takeover of the U.S. government. The United States can be great, and, and the people in the United States are great, and the honest people of the United States are great, but we've been infiltrated by the most sophisticated criminal syndicate of all time. And I believe that this criminal syndicate really took over the government by murdering John F. Kennedy and controlling every presidency since then. Now, the struggle that's going on right now, I hope, at least, is that maybe, maybe Donald Trump is the president that they didn't expect to get elected. Maybe the Internet, you know, this struggle between good and evil, maybe good is yeah, running out. Yeah, but he's out. slaughtering maybe. people all over the world, Jason. You know, I you mean, stop he's it. carrying on for the military-industrial complex. Well, the first way to stop you know, it, Evelyn, is to get the spy ring out of Congress and for the people to take control of the Congress rather than having uh, Pakistani ISI agents control the Congress by blackmailing the members with their own data and hacking their cell phones and stealing their laptops. So, as uh, Mr. Braverman said in Oxford, hopefully we can use technology to come together and uh, overcome this corruption by working as a team. And we're seeing that right here on Crowdsource the Truth. Everyone can make a difference. Everybody watching, everybody listening to your radio broadcast, join us here. And thank you for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure to see you. Well, thank you so much, Jason. Okay. My eyes go thin as I get older. Peace and peace and 